Hello everyone, welcome to season two of the iSphere. Um, hope you're all having a good new year. We're back. I'm Joy, by the way, in case you're new. <laughs> and I'm I, and we are back better than ever, I think. <laughs> we'll see how the volume uh, actually works. Um, but yeah, we've got a couple of topics to talk about uh, this fine day. Um, we watched Witcher Blood Origins over the, the holiday season. Um, and we also have a, a rather interesting tale of the romantic author world coming up later on. Delicious drama that's happening right now. I say delicious, it's absolutely horrific, but like it's... It, it's it's baffling. <laughs> the more you read, the more you you just... I, I, I generally felt my face just like drop <laughs> as I read all that stuff. Um, I Because I was doing my research because I hadn't heard a fucking thing about it and then you were like, oh, guess what's just happened? Here's an article on it. And I was reading it and I got like halfway down and I was like, holy fuck. Uh, amazing. I literally, I think I messaged you with like, it was like one o'clock your time in the morning and I was like, wake up, bestie, new yeah. drama just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> new, new, new romance author drama just dropped. <laughs> and I, every time I've, there's been an update to the story, I've told Mothman and his entire face just, like he just, <laughs> he goes through an entire face journey of horror because it, it's gotten worse. If anyone Somehow? And if anyone's seen my original post on Tumblr, it has gotten worse since then. So we're going to be getting into that. So grab your popcorn if you're <laughs> down for the, the gossip. So, so yeah. Witcher, Blood Origin, what like what did you think, Joy? Controversial opinion. I liked it. <laughs> okay. Interesting. <laughs> um, I did not think it was as bad as everyone was saying it was. Um, yep. It, yeah. I didn't go in with particularly high expectations, but then I'm also a fan of The Witcher, so I knew not to have high expectations. <laughs> so um, I'm just there for the silly and the the drama, the drama basically. Um, yeah. There were a couple of things that I felt were off, um, but otherwise a lot of the criticism I'm seeing just feels really unfair, especially when there's people comparing it to the books. It's always oh, never happened in the books. It's like, this is, this is the exact sort of silly that happens in the books. I don't think we're reading the same things. Yeah, so. I think there's, I suppose before we dive into actually the story and what happens in the TV show, like, mm -hmm. I think this kind of acted as a way for a fans and people who probably consider themselves fans but aren't necessarily fans of the show, more fans of the game, to voice their disappointment in Henry Cavill exiting um, yes so i think it kind of became like a proxy for voicing disappointment in that um and i also think picking blood origins apart um they wanted to try and like compare that to the the shit that cavils had to put up with on the writing side for the the main series with Geralt, mm -hmm. um. So I think it kind of it acted as a good proxy for a lot of people to voice their their anger. And it, it just became a lightning rod for all the drama. And so can I ask, is Holly's toy is that loud? Can anyone hear that? Or is my microphone actually blocking it? I, I, I can't hear it at all. I think that's fine then. As long as you can hear, she's got a new crinkle toy, and it is the loudest thing <laughs> known to man right now. It's all good. <laughs> as long as no one else can hear it, that's fine. But yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it became a lightning rod for everybody's ire about everything else that's been wrong with the series. Yeah. Um, and to be and, fair, and I, I don't think it's been fair. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like, I, I didn't personally enjoy the second series or the second season of The Witcher. I I thought season one was quite good and mm-hmm. season two didn't really deliver on what I kind of expected the story to do. And then, of course, there was all the decisions made about, like, Lambert and, and things like that. And yeah. I think for people who, like, for fans who watch it, I think... It's the same kind of thought, we're already going on a tangent, it's the same kind of attitude I took <laughs> into the, the Halo TV series. So, like, the Halo TV series, I've really tried to park my, like, this is not going to follow the games, it's not going to follow the books, you're not going to get the, mm-hmm. you're not going to get the story told the same way. And the problem that I kind of have with that is when you are making a TV series, your your first port of call in terms of fans who are probably your easiest to to bank are people who are a fan of the the games and the like the existing mm-hmm. world um so i thought like i you know I, I thought season two wasn't really my cup of tea i'll probably end up watching season three because i'll need to i'll probably need to rewatch season two again to actually understand what yeah. happened because i think another issue that i've got and we've spoken about this before but netflix um, releasing a full season um, to binge makes it all blur into one. I don't remember, like, I remember the highlights of season two of The Witcher, but mm-hmm. I remember, like, releasing it on day one for the, everyone to watch every single episode puts you in a position where you've got to sprint to watch all of it, otherwise you might be exposed to spoilers online. Mm-hmm. Um, so... There's people who take their time with it. There's people that sprint through it. And then there's a reason why The Witcher, the TV series, isn't actually talked about like for a longer amount of time. It, because Yeah, it's an interesting one as well for fandom aspects as well because I've noticed that although The, the Witcher Netflix has a, a an active fandom like on places like Tumblr, because I know because I'm part of it, Yeah, but it almost feels as if the binging of media has resulted in fandom having less community because there's less i i'm sure my age here but i remember when things were coming out weekly and you'd have a week to talk about things with your yeah. pals and you'd be discussing what would be ha- what would maybe be happening next and it would build up the tension and you'd end up with a better sense of fandom community because you would have longer to digest things and also create for it yeah and i kind of missed that not gonna lie um i mean i think you're, you're absolutely right i mean one thing that the current kind of binge watching allows it almost steals away that element of of community and like you know waiting for the next one because i remember like i did watch game of thrones i feel like it's it's weird to admit that i'm a game of thrones watcher um but i watched i watched game of thrones and mm-hmm. i remember like watching that week on week you got all of the conversation and that's why you did. yeah until it went down the toilet it's why it had (laughs) such a global like you know interest whereas like i i finished i I think i finished witcher season two in a day i think i watched it (laughs) all in one because i didn't want to risk spoilers and then for my friends who maybe watched it at a slightly slower pace i was on to the next thing already because no one was creating content maybe as a mix of I don't want to spoil it for anyone uh, who maybe hasn't seen it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, you know, people hadn't actually had the time to watch it all and then make content for it. And it's also tougher when you're binging to, 
like really pick out a certain point from an episode and go, oh, that was a really good moment. I'm going to, you know, draw something relating to that or I'm going to like, you know, draw this funny mm-hmm. comic from a funny moment in that episode. It's not something that people do when they can binge because it's harder to go, this happened in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, yeah, it is really hard to pin things down. It's really hard to even just have discussions about it. Yeah. Because um, you can't exactly, if you're binge watching it, I mean... I've sometimes been been watching things along with friends and we've been doing watch parties and everything else. But even then, you're just reacting. You're not getting to theorise. You're not getting yeah. to go, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Like, I remember when the whole spoiler alert for season two, they kill Lambert, who is a fan favourite across the books and the video games. It was such a silly thing to do. Um, and But I remember when that happened... We, like, both Mothman and I were sitting there going it must be like some creature that's taken his face it's not really him, it can't really be him and you know it must be, because he's not he's not acting like Lambert and everyone yeah. seems to be thinking he's acting weird and then it just turns out he's the monster yeah. and you're like oh, that's dumb that's, yeah <laughs> my idea made better sense yeah. <laughs> you can't even post it because then you're just giving spoilers yeah you're giving spoilers you know? you're potentially ruining the viewing experience for someone else it's like so so you withdraw from the discussion and then like it's only a couple of months later when someone makes like the off like off the cuff comment on twitter or tumblr or somewhere like that and you kind of go yeah, we really didn't get a chance to actually talk or process any of that because uh, we were we were running for it. Um, so sorry, that's already one tangent down. Get in, we're on a roll. <laughs> um, so, uh, I, I suppose we can probably start episode one, um, yeah. and like as kind of an overarching thing, I think one thing on my second watch through preparing for this. I like the the pacing issues were really really obvious to me throughout the entire thing. Um, yeah. Because for anyone who doesn't know, I think it was originally planned as a six episode miniseries, and it became a four, four. episode miniseries. Um, and watch like watching it the second time, it becomes really really quite obvious in regards to the the pacing joy i'm not sure whether you want to give us an overview of like some of the story so it starts with of all people jaskier being thrown into what looks like a hell dimension and for a lot of people that pissed off a lot of people who were fans of blood origin the actress story because jaskier's got nothing to do with it um i actually thought it was quite clever because for the for the end, for the whole series, Jaskier is the, narr- the narrator for the in the books. He narrates everything, so it's quite fun to have the bard being the bard in this instance. But um, it starts with him in like an alternate kind of hell dimension. He's about to get murdered, and a clone of himself appears and stops it from happening. And it turns out it's like a magic elf creature from another realm that wants him to, as the sandpiper to tell the story of the convergence of the spheres and how the first, you know, the, how the first Witcher was born and to give the elves hope um, against this war that they're all currently in. And it kind of just goes from there. Um, you get about maybe five minutes of build-up with Jaskier. Um, and I think that was really to hook people because Joey Beatty is such a fan favourite. They were just relying on people going, oh, there's two Jaskiers in the first five minutes. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Um, so, and... It's funny because that's actually something that I've got. <laughs> that's something I've gotten 
like my notes because like like the first way is like that that whole scene is like placement and like i'd put placement in the universe is a bit strange like they get yaskier in um and i said that like it kind of tri- like the intro trips its way along almost like a fourth wall break but mm-hmm. it but it works because yaskier's so good yeah like it like yes. it it makes like i think that made it work for me i think if you'd given it to anyone else even if you'd given it to Geralt, I don't think it would have worked at all. I think no. it only worked because you had the fun bard character. I thought the elf woman was a little bit strange, the narrator that narrates over the rest of the episode. Like mm-hmm. she, she fills in the gaps whenever there's like a traveling or like a new scene or anything like that. And one thing that I did kind of wonder is why they didn't also have Yaskier almost having like a Q&A. Yeah, that's something that I was thinking too, because even if they did that kind of fourth wall breaking kind of thing, it would have made up for the bad pacing because it's basically Mm. him frantically scribbling everything down. So that could have been your excuse for why everything's, why there's, you know, inconsistencies and why things are, you know, sped up and focused on more things and then why there's this lingering thing. And it's, yeah, the pacing, I think, if they were forced to cut it that way, they could have made it part of that's how it's supposed to be by having him going and then what happens next or being like someone going hold up that doesn't make sense and then going just go with it like that's yeah just just something to fill in the space a little bit because i thought it was a bit i don't know you just just like it was just the narrator the elf woman just filling in the the rest of it Mm -hmm. and you kind of go where is yaskier and he kind of appears at the end and you go hmm Um, yeah so we then get introduced to Ayla. Uh, uh, the Lark is the title yes. that she has. Um, and she is a, like an, a former warrior of the Raven clan. Um, mm-hmm. And she is on an island um, that is pronounced very interestingly by some of the, the cast members, um, given how it's spelled. But it's Innisdu. And I'm pretty sure it's pronounced Innisduv uh, because they're taking the Gallic pronunciation, but they're not. It's a lot of butchery, right. but that's kind of. I mean, Elder Elder Speak is literally there's a there's a scene in season one where Yennefer is uh, showing some girls some spells and speaking in the Elder tongue, and it's yeah. literally botched Welsh. And it's yeah. just talking gibberish, and all the all the Welsh people watching it were going, "Why is she talking rubbish?" Like, <laughs> yeah. they, they like to take Celtic languages and just pull them apart to make it's... it into the elder speech. I'm like, you could just make something up. You could do what the Klingons did, or you know, Lord of the Rings. You can hire yeah. a linguistic specialist to make a language for you that isn't butchering another language that does exist. Yeah, but, you think, know, it's Netflix. <laughs> yeah, and there's another there's another one that we'll we'll come on to in that. But I found it's interesting because I watched uh, like I remember after finishing, um, it came up on my recommendeds on YouTube. But I watched like one of the the incel a uh, movie TV critic. Oh, I remember uh, people you that, on yeah. YouTube. So it was it, <laughs> it, unfortunately he's a Scottish guy as well. He's called the Critical Drinker, and he's like just. He's like absolutely playing to like the alt right crowd. It's all very like cringe. And one of the criticisms um, that I've seen in like the kind of 
there's a particular group of people on Twitter who've been railing against uh, Blood Origins for all of the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they've not had any conversation like we've had about like the the amount of episodes or anything. They they just don't like that the, the the medieval fantasy world has black people. That's pretty much it. Um, but there was like they, they I've seen criticisms of like the introduction to the Lark where she's in the bar, she's in the tavern. And what like there's a group of guys in the tavern and they're they're pricks and they're hassling the wee girl and we get to an introduction to the lark being quite cool. She throws the daggers and stabs them in the knee and like they're railing against that as an introduction. And I would like I'm kind of annoyed at it because it is such a well worn fantasy, like everything happens in the tavern. You get introduced to everyone in the tavern. D and D sessions always have something happen in a tavern. It's such... and also bards are a combat class. They can't yeah. bards can't bar. I have a T-shirt that says it. Bards <laughs> can be a combat class. People saying, "Well, she's a bard. She's supposed to be no bards are a combat class. Get over it." Um, <laughs> but, it was, even still, it really, is, yeah. it's just the like I found. You know, I think Geralt also has uh, a tavern scene in episode one in season one, and it's like, okay, so it can happen to, it can it can happen to Geralt. It can't happen to someone else. As if people being dicks in bars isn't like humanity for the whole of history. It can happen to the white male protagonist. It can't happen to anyone not part of that demographic. Basically. <laughs> yeah. It just—I um, I felt it was like really out of place because it is such a well-worn, like it's—it's it's a well-worn trope that fits so naturally. It's like how do you quickly introduce a character, their attitudes? Someone needs help in a tavern that the the character's in, and the quest begins. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like it's classic storytelling. It's yeah. a way of showing social interaction. It's also a way of having world building. It's you know showing class in the world as well like the different classes of people and like it's it's it was really well done i i love the fact that it started with the lark showing up and the first thing she does is she gets she gives a coin to a beggar yeah who says oh there's not been music here for a long time what does that tell you it tells you people are poor it tells you no one really bothers with this area they're lacking in you know cultural joys because they, they don't have music and then you have this fantastic character who comes in, who's very good at music. Everyone's enthralled. You have soldiers that are being dicks. That shows you these people are being oppressed. Yeah. It, it's such a good way of just building the scene in such few minutes. And people criticizing, oh, it's cliche and trope. Okay, then none of your fantasy stuff ever again can that have is, it. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I mean, the, uh, everything you've just described is really just virtue signaling at the end of the day. It right? is. Yeah. It <laughs> is. Um, um, but so we get introduced in that regard and then we get introduced to the other main character a Fjol Stoneheart which is definitely a name um, and he is part of what Dog Clan Dog um, Clan yeah and he, the Dog Clan are protectors of one of the um, I think it's the Sintria Elvish royal families yeah in, in Sin- is it Sintria yeah yeah, so. Zintria, yeah. Um, so, uh, at the moment, we've got three, like, in the, to, to lay out the world a little bit, we've got three elven kingdoms that are all at war, um, and they constantly fight, and it's been going on for a thousand years, and the new king 
of Sintria uh, wants to kind of like start to orchestrate peace um, and has gone out into the lower city to mingle with the, the, the common people. Um, a bit like Prince uh, King Charles now. Oh God, I keep on saying Prince. Um, but a bit like King Charles, uh, but goes out to see the commoners and people try and kill him. And he's also taken his sister with him, the, the king's sister, uh, Merwin. Merwin, yeah. Uh, yeah, Fjol Stoneheart saves Merwin and then she stabs an assassin as well. And that's the kind of introduction to, to him. So he's a, he's a defender there. The dog clan uh, work with the that royal family to protect them. And he ends up getting exiled because he ends up shagging um, Merwin, um, who's yeah, supposed to be protected. They've had a long-standing love affair going on, and he finally gets caught, basically. Yeah. He and... should be executed, but his father exiles him. Yeah. And, I mean, it's, it's quite, like... Yeah, so the, the king... Yeah, the king is also wanting to build this piece, so what he plans to do is marry off his sister. And uh, this annoys his sister. Uh, his sister doesn't want to be married off. Um, as you well, she thinks she's it. got a higher purpose. Yeah. Um. And yeah, she's an interesting character. But for she's, what happened to her, she was severely underdeveloped she for was what needed to happen. Excruciatingly underdeveloped. I've actually got that written. Um. So the the thing that happens to really kick it all into gear the whole story is that the three um monarchs of each kingdom come together in this like you know peace conference basically and the sister merwin excuses herself and goes to leave she pretends that she's unwell and then she she kills fjol stoneheart's sister and like locks the door and unleashes a, a, a demon monster creature from um, another world. And it basically... Mm-hmm. Through the monolith. Yeah. And it basically wipes out all of the all of the monarchs. Uh, and then she brings the three regions under one empire that she's the empress of. And like going back to how underdeveloped she is, like this, this is all happening in episode one. There is no build up to this. And to be honest... One thing that I found frustrating is even the conversation she has with the king, she's not that frustrated. Like she does she does think she, she seems has a stressed. She seems distressed more than frustrated. But there's there's a bit where like she she thinks that she should be in like an advisory position to the king. And she's like, Oh, we could do this, we could do that, and he's like, No, no, you've got your purpose, you're gonna help secure peace. And she she, there's a little bit of pushback, but she also kind of goes, I understand. You know, like, there's, mm-hmm. a, there's a bit of it. And like, I've got here, it's like, I really don't mind that level of subtlety, but I also don't think that she was... Like, it would be different if there was that bit of, like, agreement with her brother, and then you could see her get really angry when she's alone, but you never see her angry was, enough yeah. to kind of, like kill her whole family and then kill her protectors. build up at all. And it was genuinely like, I thought that you were going to find out she'd been possessed. I thought you were going to find out that the mage had possessed her and that's why she did it. But no, there was just zero build up towards her doing what she did. There was no hint towards it. And that is something you have to foreshadow. You have to foreshadow a character who's about to kill their entire family if you want it to be believable. 
Um, yeah. As someone pointed out in the chat, I think it was um, who was it? Can't see you now. <laughs> someone said they thought she was going to be pregnant because she was having sex with the other guy, and she seems like a very flighty academic. That would have been more believable to me than what actually happened. But yeah. the whole time it was happening, I'm like, oh my god, that that Baylor guy, he must have taken control of her. No. Yeah. And to be honest, like <laughs> I think she's gone off and had an entire coup against her brother, and we have no but... idea it happened. The, the, it was funny because like rewatching it today, um, I the, one of the things that I clocked was that it's really weird how she kills the sister of Fjol. Yeah. Um, because you're shown at the start of the episode when the assassins attack in the street, like mm-hmm. that is her first kill. She's standing there quivering, holding this like bloodied knife. It's so obvious she doesn't want to be doing it again, like anytime soon. She's in, she's in shock. Like, there's and, a whole scene where she's sitting in her room, staring at her bloody hands, and she's obviously terrified. Yeah, and it just seems to go from that to like slitting the throat of like one of her protectors that she's like known and her family. Yeah, and killing her whole family. It just seemed a bit like all right. Um, and yeah, I think a kind of higher power possessing her, even if it wasn't Baylor, if it was like another evil kind of spirit thing, um, that would have been that would have been better. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you could have had it be the um, the the chaos entity that's in the other realm that Baylor's trying to get all of his powers from. It would have made more sense to me if the chaos entity was taking control of her. Yeah. Because it wants to be in our in that world, yeah. that would have made so much more sense. I, <laughs> I watched when I watched it again yesterday. I was sitting there going, taking notes, and I'm going, "There were so many ways you could have made this better. There yeah. were so many ways you could have tied everything together, and that you would the, the reason that chaos comes into the world is not because of how it happened, but it, you know, there were just better ways of doing it. And it annoys me that people with Netflix's budget can't think of these things." Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, what are you being paid for at this point? Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's definitely one of the issues, right? So that kind of like lays out the the story. Um, naturally, Fjol and Ayla are gonna try and put a stop to this, right? And that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. We're gonna take a brief moment for talking about the story because we're gonna start talking about cock, um, joy. There is an awful lot of cock as a word in the whole show, and it's always used in a really strange way. Um, I, I I'm not sure if it's like like a medieval thing. Um, like people, I, yeah, there's a but, lot of things that people think that we didn't use a lot of swears or a lot of but, bodily anatomy, I, but. I mean, I have a whole dictionary that gives you every word for sex and or sexual acts going back to the 11th century. And there's a ton of them and they were yeah. used quite common. And and, and, um, and that's absolutely fine, right? Like, I, but I was... It, it's weird because I, I, I don't really hear uh, the word cock used as like a negative, right? Um, I know that sounds like I'm bamming myself up a little bit, but uh, <laughs> like... Normally, like, you know, so Ayla, when she meets Fjell Stoneheart, they meet in this kind of, like, prison thing, and she keeps on seeing things like, you know, oh, keep your dog clan cock to yourself, or, like, I'll feed your cock to the dogs. And it's, it just seems very, like, I, I was just thinking if they could have used another word 
right? They, they could have, have. They could have used prick. They could have used dick. They could have used whatever. But it just seemed like there was there was this like why why cock? It it just doesn't seem like a very. It's not like an offensive so, word. It not to me anyway. Cock is the acceptable word for a lot of things in romance. Um, it's the acceptable thing in a lot of fantasy. It's not the word that's least likely to get censored. As a pair, dick is considered to be more offensive than cock, for example. Um, uh, no, um, that's what I'm saying. Is considered but, to be more offensive. So, so they're, they're getting away with a kiddie swear, basically, is what they're doing. Right, okay. Um, it's like the, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about the way you would write a, a romance scene and you mention someone's cock, right? Mm-hmm. It tends to be in a romance scene when you're trying to like get things a little bit steamy. But like... Yes. You know, like it, for 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 a woman to be like, "I'll feed your cock to the dogs." It's like you know, it could just be like, "Your prick's gonna get cut off." You know, I'd expect it to be a little bit more cutting. It's also regionalism. It's also regionalism yeah. because you know it's mostly aiming for an American audience, um, and cock is more likely than prick, <laughs> basically. But it, it, to answer a uh, Thunderwolf's question, why is dick more offensive? I don't know. That's just what censors say for certain things. Um, there's a lot more but it also depends on what region you're in I mean I will say the word cunt quite happily Um, cunt can be used affectionately in Scotland as well but if you say it to an American a lot of people flinch yeah and it's no, a weird I mean, one. I bet you know I use it for my romance and I get people complaining about things oh you can't use that word and I'm like I can though because it's not offensive yeah. I mean, literally, when we... I think Mothman might be typing it, I can hear him. I think my dad called him a daft cunt affectionately the first time they met. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Welcome to the family. <laughs> basically. <Amazing>. Basically. <laughs> um, but it was that kind of... It's a weird cultural thing. And American TV and American writing tends to be a lot more kind of don't use certain words. And I think they're trying to avoid being Game of Thrones and because Game of Thrones used cunt a lot in a very offensive way. Yeah. And that was like their main swear word. That and it, it was, was very it was misogynistic. Like... <laughs> and it was so... very obvious it was misogynistic. And I'm going, most of those people have a British accent. They would not be using the word that way. Yeah. I um, guess, that was that was always like they're they're almost their cheap shock value like it swear. was. And they're um, using because the Witcher's not as serious as Game of Thrones, I think they're using cock also as Almost like reverse sexism, if that makes any sense. I think they're trying to get away from using, you know, um, they don't say bitch a lot, which is weird for a fantasy. They don't say, you know, they don't use a lot of female negative descriptive words in the show. And it's almost as if they've gone, well, if we use male uh, anatomy more derogatorily, it's equality. And that's what I think they're doing. And I don't think it works. I do think that is what they're doing. I I suppose Um, just in, just in, my in my mind, uh, like I, I would always associate the descriptor, like the the use of cock would suit a more like steamy scene. This is going to go yes. in the description of the YouTube video. Like, I for I for Scotland goes on a tangent about banned. cocks for fucking ten minutes. Um, but I, I was like, I was just expecting her to be like, you know, I'll cut your little prick off. That kind of like that almost would be sta- like yeah, harsher and more stabby. Whereas like Ella standing there being like, oh, your dog clan cock. It's like it sounds like you're complimenting the guy. It, it sounds like a bit of a come on it, for that. Kind of, it's like. <laughs> You used come on deliberately there. 
<laughs> people who flirt with violence that is what it almost kind of feels like yeah um and i maybe they were trying to set that up i don't know um yeah. it is a weird one that i have noticed with which that they are very fond of the word cock yeah how many times have we said it now that would be interesting if we had um someone doing the the transcripts for us because they could tell us but yeah. i do think that is they're trying to soften it but i think they're also trying to be more empowered by using male anatomy as like a threat and i'm like okay that's yeah, yeah. that's a choice that is your choice and to be honest i think this is a good time to maybe open up the the broader um use of swearing throughout this because uh, i think it kind of borders on childish um, yes. and it was the first time i've ever watched a fantasy series where i went this is too far this is me saying it as well. Mm-hmm. It's like the the swearing's a bit too far. I mean, like I could I could deal with Yaskier's um, fuck fuck fuckity fuck. You know, like right at the start when he's like panicking, I could kind of get. And that's it. also very on brand for Jaskier. Jaskier's yeah. a man who's forties, looks thirty, thinks he's twenty, and acts like he's ten. That is a quote from the series. That is a quote from the book series. Yeah, um, he is someone who it is quite funny that he has this grand, wonderful vocabulary and he resorts to fuckity fuck 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 a lot of the time. That yeah. is his humour. That is part of what makes him funny. And, um, and when it happened a lot of the other times, it was just like... Well, there's, a, there's a really bad yeah. one at the start of episode two where I was just like, are they doing the same thing again? Because like one of the... And I th- like We're going to come on to this, but one of the party members... Um, goes to like knocks on a door and a, a Scottish elf answers, um, and after a bit of conversation, he goes fuck the fucking fuck off, and I like I was just sitting there and I was like, what fucking Glasgow School of Art hell yeah. has this fucking like ad libbing swear words for like it felt like a vi- like when I say a liberal use of swear words, I mean like liberal as in a fucking political stance it just felt like um you know how after donald trump visited scotland and scottish twitter tm reacted and you ended up with a lot of like really like you had some you had some funny ones and then everyone else wanted to emulate it so you ended up with like a bunch of really liberal people like using compound swear words um, so you got things like fuck what's it and you know like just shit like that like people just coming out with like that it, I kind of hate it <laughs> and I think that's that's one of the things when you know the dialogue between the party and then the dialogue from side characters where there was just this constant wave of swearing and I know that you know you could get across how harsh the, the world is everyone's uh, you know got the uh, vocabulary of a sailor but like I don't know, it kind of pulls me out of it. I don't mind in-world swears as much. Yeah. But, like, because I feel like you can be quite, you know, like, full on if you, like, you know, create a an in-world swear, you can, like, say it as much as you like, really. Um, but it's weird hearing, you know, normal swears. It's very thick of it. It was very thick of it. It uh, was, with yes. Peter Cabaldi. And the Peter Cabaldi character, although he's fantastic in the thick of it, was a very angry Scottish stereotype who swore every 
saying like every word could be a swear word with him and that was part of what made him funny though because he was this very stereotypical scottish character but in westminster and i would honestly believe that uh, you know i would be swearing every second word as well if i was working in westminster but it was a very harsh negative stereotype but there was also there was also an underlying humor to swearing like the sentences that you would see while swearing was funny it wasn't the swearing itself yes like yeah it was like the the emphasis that it gave i mean like one of the funniest lines from the thick of it is like you you were like a sweaty octopus trying to unhook a bra and that doesn't (laughs) use any swear but like you know there's (laughs) but then he calls him a fucking tit after it and it's yeah like that, it's, the, used, you know, it's a... used to punctuate the point rather than being the point. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite ones is I'll throw a hand grenade into their dreams. And then, <laughs> yeah. he's, he punctuates, he, and then he goes, it, you know, it's it, things like that. The creative use of language works. And then the swearing is just an emphasis for I can be extremely witty and clever, but yeah. I'm still going to call you a fucking dick. Like that was, yeah. you know, that is, a, that is a very Glaswegian thing. Um, again, bringing up Mothman, I think the first time he was in Scotland with me, he just could not believe the level of um, patter, amazing creative, patter, creative patter that happens. Because somebody will come away with something that could sound like it's from Shakespeare, and then end it with "you daft cunt," and it's just <laughs> like it completely just blows you out the water because you have this fantastic witticism. And then it's just got the most derogatory language at the end of it. And you're going, yeah. you've made a choice. You've made a choice. And that choice is to put the person down even further. Um, yeah. Whereas in The Witcher, that doesn't happen. It's just swearing because you've a wee kid that's figured out all the bad words. Yeah. And you know, yeah, that's that's exactly it. And it's, it. yeah. Um, so I was wondering, because of the, uh, the Scottish elf, fuck the fucking fuck off, it made me... Mm-hmm acutely aware of all of the scottish accents in the show um and to be fair to them there is scottish actors using it is yeah using something Mm -hmm. in the show um and i've got a theory about this i've actually got a grand theory joy and it comes down entirely to direction and it also comes down to um why it's dangerous to have trendy accents being used in television and movies um, I, fe- it, I feel like the Scottish accent is very much in trend at the moment. Um, I've seen it in Andor, I've seen it in Rings of Power, uh, and I've seen it in Witcher Blood Origins, and I dare say there's a couple of other things. But uh, the ca- the actress playing Merwin was definitely Scottish. Uh, Mirren Mac. Can you get more Scottish name than Mirren Mac? One of... <laughs> One of the things I didn't like that she... Like, again, I'm not criticising the actress here. I think we've got to make that clear. I think there's a there's an issue with the direction of Scottish actors and people who want Scottish accents in their <laughs> show. So I think what the Scottish actress was being asked to do, I think what Mirren Mack was being asked to do was to read fully English lines in a Scottish accent. And I think she was asked to emphasise her Scottish accent on various words. But the problem was she wasn't being directed to use Scots standard English. Mm -hmm. So she was being asked to use her Scottish accent, but in an almost received pronunciation way of talking... 
And that fucks things up because it was really, really noticeable. See when she was having the conversation with the king in the first episode, I noticed that there was a lot of emphasis put on certain words in her sentence, but the emphasis was put before a word that she would then... She wouldn't naturally see in an in English. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how if you get into the like if you get into a point when you're talking in a Scottish accent and you're using Scots words to um like throughout your speech, mm-hmm. you end up kind of slipping into, you know, you wouldn't say anything, you'd say anything, you'd you know, you'd actually get into mm-hmm. like using more of that. I I think that there's some words in English that they're being directed to put a lot of emphasis on, and then the word after it, they're also like they they can't have them go into speaking Scots, so they have to yeah. have them speak English, and it ruins the flow completely. It far. goes against the natural speech pattern that we have. It goes against the way that we would emphasise certain words, and it's something that I've encountered. I did elocution lessons as a child, mm. um, and the only way for proper I suppose it's now King's English, um, was to, be, to sound was to lessen your accent. Because yeah. if you tried to keep your accent as thick as it normally would be, um, it just doesn't work. The emphasis falls on their own words. It's I think of it as the Outlander effect. Um, because none yeah. of the Scottish cast in Outlander, if you hear them speaking, they don't have that accent in real life. Yeah, They're actually, they use much more... Um, broader it's not as emphasized and i think part of what throws me about a lot of stuff that's you know outlander and a couple of other things is that it's very overemphasized to be it's scottish it's noticeable and it's like it doesn't need to be that over dramatic you can just let people talk yeah and they will notice and and the thing is i like me and, me and jessica were talking about this because we we're talking about like how it's you know is is it quite nice to hear a lot more scottish accents in a way yes it is but i think there's going to be a lot of people who maybe don't get the they're they're going to have a weird um they're going to have a weird idea of what people from scotland talk like and it is that outlander effect that you're talking about where mm-hmm. like because because all of these things are very scripted as well and you know like when you're hearing scottish accents in like andor for example um there's no way in hell that scots words are going to be used in the way that the actor probably would use scots words regularly if they were speaking like i mean not all of us are like 100 percent fluent in scots anyway but like all of us speak scots standard english like all of us have that kind of blend I mean, a lot of people don't even realise they're speaking Scots. They've been yeah. told they're speaking slang. Yeah. Um, they've been told they're not speaking proper. They're actually just speaking their own native language that they've been told is not a language. So Someone, for a lot of people, like, they don't understand that, you know, like you gave the example of anything or, you know, yeah, you know, the anything, just, anything, anything, you know, it's that kind of, um, can I even say anything? Can I even say any, anything, anything? Anything. I have to, like, I change the shape of my mouth to say it. Um, and I, mean, I, know I, I, I wouldn't want anything, and I wouldn't want anything. Is yeah, <laughs> yeah the same thing. Um, but same one, thing. one has a lot better rhythm and is way more natural for me to say. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I'm doing my, um, I have my American telephone voice. I have my British telephone voice. My emphasis falls on different words because that is the way the dialect is used regionally. 
Yeah. Um, there's certain things, I'm in St. Paul, there's certain things that you say in a certain way in St. Paul to indicate, you know, mood, tone, region, all these things. And people know I'm foreign. They, you know, they know there's something old, but they can't quite place it. They think <laughs> I'm from a different part of Minnesota. Mm. Um, but, and then they hear me at my actual Scots accent and they go, oh, you're, it's a whole other dialect that I've yeah. learned to mimic because that's how you blend, that, that's how you communicate with them. Because the Scottish tone does not translate well to a lot of American tones. It doesn't even translate to a lot of English yeah. ones as well which i think is why scotland gets the oh that you know they're so aggressive we're not really we just talk fast yeah it's interesting because <laughs> um, the rhythm of the language yeah banner kialoch in chat saying uh, speaking as an irish person fjol's actor's accent also sounds weirdly overdone and he's he's irish and um, mm -hmm. i think that there's probably something there um I've seen, like, you know, you were probably with Scott Standard English, I've heard it being described as almost like a kind of Creole. Um, it's very um, American Southern. I've noticed that okay. I can understand people from the South easier than I can from the Northern parts of America. And it's because Scott, a lot of the, the <laughs> South was found, you know, founded, you know, the, the people that had the plantations were Scottish. Yeah. Sorry and about that, that guys. <laughs> it, I do apologise, but yeah. that, that level of the rhythm of the language is still there. That southern drawl works with the Scottish accent. Because it's yeah. a funny thing for me, because I've been saying y'all my whole life, or y'all would have, and people go, well, that's American. It's not. It's, you know, it's not a southern American thing. Was, it comes from Scotland originally, because it's y'all. I was going to say use is right there. Use as well. <laughs> yeah. I prefer use, but y'all's a uh, East Coast thing, whereas yeah. use is a bit more um, Central and West Coast. Um, yeah. So it's just, it's funny how the language evolves, but you can I can pick up the rhythm easier of someone down South than I can up here. And it's because it goes back to my original native tongue and the yeah. language is still there. Um, but yeah, use is also Northeastern US. But it's used completely. It is used mm. completely differently from how we would use it. Mm. Um, so it's a it's a funny one. It's really funny the words that survive and exist. And people go, well, that's regional to here. Well, it stems from the common language of the people that settled the the, the region. Yeah. Um, so it is, but it's kind of interesting to see how in fantasy it becomes the emphasis is on not maintaining the natural. You know, you can very easily. Have it's, the, yeah, no natural rhythm. rhythm to it. It's you know, you must sound Scottish. Well, the actress is Scottish. Just let her talk. I know. What it you like know? the 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 other thing, and I I don't know if this is a direction or if it's just the way she speaks, but she she's really raspy. She does that like low, like I don't know. I don't know what like it's called this, frying. It's when frying. you fry your voice. It's when yeah. a lot of women are told to fry their voice. Um, either to sound um, older or it, it's a kind of um, to sound non-threatening almost um, it's also to oh. sound the um, you're told to sound sexier with it a lot of women fry because it makes you sound non-threatening and it can make you sound as if you're putting a question on things and that was the thing that got me because even when the actress is yeah. being threatening she sounded like it was a question because she was frying her voice um, yeah. I, I, and, I, I, yeah, I it's an interesting that's... one I kind of yeah I, like I've, I've encountered a, a couple of people in my life that have done that um and i've not i've always thought what's going on uh it's, 
behavior and it's uh, yeah. normally in with people or to make yourself seem appealing or you know it's some of it's sex it does, appeal, it doesn't work <laughs> it depends on your culture though because yeah. i know in california for example it's you know at one point it was there was actually a movie made about it and it was voice actresses were being told you need to fry your voice and the thing is it damages your voice yeah it strains your vocal cords and everything else um well that's that was one of the things i thought was really quite noticeable is that like you know she was easily the she easily had the least presence on screen a very weak voice yeah very weak very reedy almost like thin and the thing is, when she was allowed to speak at a normal volume, she was fine. But when yeah. she was being, when she was doing whatever it was, I, I don't know if it was supposed to be you're in power, so make it sound deadly. And they told her to mm. fry her voice for whatever reason. She just came off as sounding like she needed a throat lozenger. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, like I think uh, you know, kind of maybe moving on from like the whole accent side of things. I think. I again back to almost the un- like the really Merwin was really underdeveloped like really yeah. like I don't think that was her fault I I genuinely think that came down to the pacing of the show because what I am what I'm guessing happened was originally it was going to be six episodes of maybe 40 45 minutes mm-hmm. um, and then they made four episodes or uh, that were an hour and so like as as we mentioned so um the two main characters fiol and ayla are still on this island and the the they need to get back to the story so like assassins are sent after them um reasons for for for, for reasons <laughs> but like for it's, reasons. but it but it's like how quick this happens and i think you know the witcher's always like the witcher season 1 was clever in how it approached time but i don't think it was particularly accessible to people who were new to the world mm-hmm. um like I, I thought it was quite clever but it was definitely you know i think quite a lot of people did struggle with it and i think the the rate at which things happen in episode one alone is nuts like you start the episode with a peace treaty being called everyone then dies then you've got fiol and ayla kind of teaming up they get back to the mainland and by that time the empress has taken over the empress's banners absolutely everywhere for this new golden empire like there's so like all of this is in episode one mm-hmm. and it it really hurts um like one thing at the end so uh, you're told at the start that seven it's seven people you will meet seven main characters who will all form part of like the party that the story's about um and by the end of episode one you've got three of them which is actually okay um the one of the one of the things i really don't like though is that by the end of episode one the 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 third character who's called skin which is skiing with an, a C, which is obviously okay. just skiing from Gaelic with the yeah. G. 
Um, and she's she's like the old mentor. She was part of Ghost Clan. So you've got Raven, Dog, and Ghost. But she's already given them really deep insights. Like she's get she's like Fiol, you you like you don't you're too emotional and and Ayla, you don't know how to fight in a team and she's like i feel like this is very episode two or episode three kind of like character yeah, it, development it, you know pacing you can tell when it got cut from six to four that the pacing went to shit and they had mm. to fit as much as they could into well the whole time they had because that was definitely a She's literally seen them for five minutes and she's <laughs> giving them a complete rundown of all their faults. And it's like, yeah, cool. Yeah. And you can have, you know, if you take the idea that it's Jaskier being narrated this thing from a dead entity, yeah, you can feel there's some leeway for that. But again, you have to lean into that. You have to lean in, into him going, you know, well, wait a minute, how did they get there? Or like, yeah. you have to lean into like the the idea of him asking questions and not just this breakneck pace at which everything's going at. It was literally the equivalent of having the Red Wedding and the execution of what's his face, Sean Bean from Game of Thrones all at once. Like, that's yeah. what it was in the first episode. <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but there was you, nothing, there was no padding, there was nothing to hold it up. Yeah. Um, it was just too there fast, was, it was too quick. There was one scene in particular that I thought was absolutely definitely going to be and it was like an episode two scene it's when Ayla and Fiol first arrive they get their ship and then they first arrive back into I think it's Galith they call the time and they go into a tavern and they sit at the tavern and the locals are discussing the new empire that's taken control and the guards walk in and they, you know, harass people and they're like, they're learning about the new world with what they've just kind of come back. And I was like, as I was watching it, I was like, this is an episode two scene mm-hmm. that has been stuck on in the last like 15 minutes of uh, episode one. And it, it just, you never, because there was no natural episode break, there was no way to like mentally go some time has passed. Right, because mm-hmm. like I think, like I think it's appreciated that whenever you've got a kind of episodic adventure, that unless it's a cliffhanger that ends and then starts at that same scene, there has been some time passed. Um, like me and Jessica are watching Criminal Minds at the moment, and we know that mm-hmm. like we don't need to watch them get back to the office <laughs> and and then pick up the next case. We can see okay, a week's passed or something. Yeah, you know? there's some things you can take for granted that yeah. you don't. You know, you don't need to have every minute detail where, you know, like, Fial crossed the, the steps and it took him seven days. Like, you don't need all that yeah. stuff. Um, but the pacing is off. Like, it's literally, there's so many things. It's like, oh, well, um, Ayla's sister went to go get her to take her to the peace treaty. But everyone's already dead. So yeah. what happened there? You know? Yeah, that's a good point. And, it, you know, there's things like it just, the, the pacing's off. And there's certain narrative details that a good copy editor would have caught. Yeah. And I think a lot of the time, Netflix is notorious for, you know, for The Witcher at least, they're not good at catching continuity errors. And then they kind of like uh, brush it off as, well, you're just not smart enough to understand what we're doing. And it's like, no, you just don't know how to tell (laughs) a story in the correct way. 
Yeah. It's not like with the season one of The Witcher where everything was jumping all over the place and it was you were telling different timelines all at once. This was literally just a fuck up. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely got that from it. And I think, like, to be fair, and again, I think all of the problems with The Witcher Blood Origin are production oriented. Um, yes. Because I think uh, cutting it from six episodes to four put pressure on the writers who had to then rewrite to try and fit things in. And there was probably scenes already shot and they were like, fuck, how do we use these? And I reckon it then became almost like a patchwork quilt of like, how do we mm-hmm. glue all this shit together? Um, I think that's the, that is by far the biggest problem with it. I don't like, actually, I really enjoy the cast. I actually think, I think the, the, the cast fantastic. were all great. Yeah. Um, I think if uh, the Empress had had a bit more time to breathe and maybe come up with, like, I don't know, just a little bit more kind of motivation for what she was doing. Because um, I didn't get the feeling that she was... I thought she was interested in history. I didn't feel like she was overly passionate about conquering new worlds. She didn't come um, off as a colonizer until the exact moment it was okay. Well, now you're a colonizer. Yeah, yeah, and she had to state she was like <laughs> she was a colonizer. She's like, well, conquest for conquest's sake's not worth it. Like you need she to colonize like an, them. Like an academic who was wanting to do more with yeah. her life, and then all of a sudden she's literally just, we're going to invade other worlds and take their resources. It was like, okay, where did that come? <laughs> Whoa. From? Um. So. Another thing that I really liked, I really liked Ayla's fight style. I thought that, like, obviously Fjol is your big, almost barbarian-y, like, axe boy. Um, But I actually thought that the choreography for the fight when they get attacked by the assassins is really good. Because I think it shows, like, Ayla, like, playing to her strengths. She's obviously way more, like, she's almost acrobatic. And how she, mm-hmm. like, you know, she's stabbing folk in the leg and then rolling through that stab and pulling the knife out and stuff. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I liked that they gave the the Black Rose song, like an in-universe kind of meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, like, I liked it. It was, it was diegetic. I used that fucking correctly. <laughs> you can't take that away from me. It was diegetic. Well, not this time, but I, I generally I did I did enjoy like that part of it, and I know that there was like there was cheesy bits of like other people singing it because they enjoyed the song in universe. Um, you know when they like in episode one as well, they pass like a, a group of people who are are moving uh, somewhere or migrating somewhere or fleeing somewhere. Um, so I thought that was cool. I also thought like the costume department went to town on the Empress's clothes. They did. And, I mean, in general, the costumes were good. It was yeah. a lot better than Rings of Power was, I thought, when it came to costumes. Yes, um, 100%. And, yeah, and it doesn't surprise me when you know the level of detail they put into Season 1 and Season 2 costumes. Season 1, I think they put more detail in, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised with the level of detail and, you know, that they the quality of the costume as well. Like it obviously wasn't just like, this is just someone's put like plastic molding on it and put <laughs> spray painted it. Yeah. Spray painted it bronze, you know, so, um, which unfortunately so that, that was, you're just like, that looks like printed polyester. And it was, <laughs> well, that was one of the things, um, see the Witcher, like the Witcher season one, Nilfgaard armor, that that's me. Like, you know, the one that had all the squiggles on it. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that that was that was included in the Witcher three uh, next gen update. So you can you can now have the Nilfgaards wear like shitty looking armor. Um, it, it seems pretty uh, pretty strange. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think that like only other thing, uh, and again, this is really largely down to pacing. Um, all of the other party members were completely forgettable for me. Outside of maybe the uh, the northern English one with the hammer, Eldorf. Yeah, who is played by the fantastic Francesca Mills. Yes, I thought her arc was really good. Um, but suffers because of the pacing issue. I it does. Like, yeah, it does. And um, and then there was there was a point where so she gets introduced to the group, and then <laughs> and then it's kind of like the writers went. And everyone else. <laughs> yeah, it and was basically like very here's, quickly. You know, we, we we got the slower build up with the first three four characters, and then it was shit. We've got three more people to fit in. Let's all yeah. just have them meet in the forest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> by chance. Let's just have them meet in this magical forest. Yeah, um, you, you don't get much more on that. And then of course you've got like the 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 original trial of the grassies. That's kind of interesting but you know just like whatever one thing that i didn't think they did particularly well in the last episode was the real feeling of revolution no Um, and i think again i think six episodes would have built to that a lot more because i feel like the song the black rose and everything like that is about the the common people kind of rising up Mm -hmm. and it just did not have time to like permeate through you all have of the to start episodes. Agitating before you need the riot. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like that was what Andor did really well is that people yes. have been agitating for the full amount of time. Yeah. Whereas this is just you're a bard, you can do your magic. And it's like that's not how that works. <laughs> Even if you're a magic bard, you need to start sowing the seeds of rebellion way from the start. Not yeah. just I'm going to show up at the city and cause a riot. It's not that's not how it works. Yeah, um, and like and they did, they did try and talk about the famine. Um, like one thing I would say is that episode three becomes a blur for me. I think that was filler to get us to the end. Um, it they, was, yeah. they, you meet you meet the rest of them, but I think like you do end up with like just a kind of a, a, just a mess. Yeah. Uh, but I think yeah, if they'd if they were, if they were able to get all the way to that, you know, it's almost like um, the you you'd want Centria to be a tinderbox and our party of seven lights the match kind of thing. Um, is a bit of a damp rag at that point. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah, it's like people are starving and like you know they're, they're not, starving and not doing anything about it. Yeah. Um, so it, it's they're, they're just kind of accepting it because they think oh there's grain stores there and it's like yes you should be trying to get them and it takes the the magical seven to show up and liberate them and be like oh look there's actually no food yeah. uh this this you need to rebel now and it's like that you need you needed to pace it better you needed yeah. to have the agitation from the start instead but, of it being 
I also kind yeah. of think you needed to have the oppression. <laughs> like, I think we're, yeah. we're we're told about the oppression quite a lot, but we're not shown much of it. I think we're just supposed to kind of accept that the world's... You, you see some fair. instances where um, Merwin goes into the city to see things for herself, which I yeah. think is interesting that she gives a shit, considering she's shown to be so involved with wanting to take over the other worlds at this point. Yeah. But she's so... I think it's a, a guard or somebody walks into her and she's shocked by how cruel he is just to walk into her. And it's well, like, is that is, is that not to stab is, you? Is that like, not, is that not the general though that walks? It into is. Her? But she looked. She was looking around as if she's saying, like, "Oh my goodness, I've never seen poverty before." You were literally the opening scene. You were in the streets and people were rioting, trying to kill you. How do you <laughs> not know that this is happening? Ah, she's how do you the, not she's know? the graceful, graceful empress. <laughs> Let them eat cake, etc. Um, but yeah, I think like for I, I'm 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 kind of gutted that it's not going to be seen as successful as it should have been. I think they could have made a really good six part miniseries out of it. I think but they could have as well. Netflix obviously starved it of resources. Um, I think which, well, Netflix. I don't. I think they're hemorrhaging money, which mm. is the or they're claiming to at least that they're hemorrhaging money because they've axed so many good things or they've cut down so I mean, you just have to look at how they gutted their animation department yeah um but they're they're pulling back resources from things that could be huge money makers for them um, I, I mean I'm, I'm just thinking with the with the amount of like with the amount of seasons that they leave to die like you know like there's so many shows that after one season of just when nah, that's it um, mm-hmm. Like I'm surprised that they're not really like bolstering the ones that already have quite a solid following. I mean, like, the, yeah, when Wednesday's obviously been pretty big for them. Um, like, The Witcher should have been big for them, and they don't seem to have supported it to the same. The Witcher would have had the fandom, no, the support of the fandom, no matter what. Um, there would always be some people that didn't like it because it didn't match either the books or the games. Yeah. But it, it's it's got a huge fan following. But the writers treat a lot of the fans as if they're stupid, which is costing them Yeah. a lot of respect. And people are not watching because they're going, no, if I'm going to get treated like I'm stupid, I don't want to watch it. Um. They literally, at one point, they were saying, oh, it's not our fault if you can't understand what we're doing. It is your fault. As the storyteller, you have to be explicit. If you're, if your reader can't follow along with it, you have a problem. It's not that you're too smart for them. It's that you're not smart enough to explain yourself. Yeah. Um, and that is 101 writing. Um, I mean, the basic reading comprehension in the US is about grade five or six, which is about maybe um, four. 14, 15 years old is about the literacy rate in America. The yeah. UK is actually the same. Yeah. So if you are not explaining yourself at that level, if you're not able to have people follow along, it's your fault because you don't understand how to actually write for the audiences that are there. And saying, well, we're just writing, but we're doing something so clever. If it's so clever, people can't understand it. It's not clever. Yeah. <laughs> it's just complicated. You know, um, and that's very that's different. Um, but yeah, Waffle Fraud um, Wednesday is getting a season two. Um, yeah, that's it was hugely popular, thankfully. But um, there's just the thing about I, I read an interesting thing about unionization when the writer strike happened in like 2008, 2009, and it was um, residuals don't get paid to actors or film crew 
until a certain amount of time. And it seems to be that things are getting axed before they can get, um, I think it's about three months or whatever. So the sh- a lot of Netflix's stuff at the minute has been up for, oh, it's been three months and then it doesn't perform as well as they should and then they cancel it. So they yeah. don't have to pay residuals. That's why a lot of um, Disney things and a lot of classic shows are getting put into vaults because mm. it means they no longer have to pay residuals towards the, the film crew and the actors, which is shitty. Yeah, um, that's why they're doing it. They're avoiding paying residuals. It's not that they're just mm-hmm. taking them off the market. They're they're avoiding paying people for contracts that have gone back for decades. Um, which is why it's um you should be <laughs> when it's for certain things. I if you can buy it, if you can, great. If you can't, if it's a streaming only thing, I don't have any problem with people having other access to it for certain things. Um, when it comes to these sort of co- corporations who are purposely doing this to avoid paying people, that's bad. That's shit. Um, but it's, it, yeah, the H- HBO and Warner Brothers is the current worst offender because they are doing that en masse. They are putting so many things in the vault and you can't access them anymore. You know, film show creators are losing access to things that they've made because they don't have personal access to them. Yeah. That's awful. Imagine you spend 10 years of your life working on something and it just gets deleted. Because the film industry doesn't want to pay residuals for something. That's god awful. That should not. The unions need to be stronger than what they currently are, and they need to actually go back and say, actually, the current um, deals that we have for residuals and for all these other things need to be rewritten because when these things were written, they were not written to include the internet. And then the writer strike was that was what that was about. It was about streaming services and a lot of other things. And they said to them, okay, well, in these uncertain times, we will say you can have, I think it was three months where you weren't paying residuals. Um, And we need to go back and change that now because the landscape of how we consume media is completely different. Uh, These things need to be updated periodically, not just set in stone for God knows how long. Um, And it is annoying. It's really annoying to watch things suffer because they're just not willing to put money. These corporations have the most money they've ever had. And they're just not willing to put it into product quality or preservation or any of the things that make things important. I think that's the thing that concerns me the most about the push to make um, so-called AI um, create art and other things like that. Because I think... so angry about a lot of that right now. Like, there's... It's such a danger. I mean, like, when... You know, if you asked someone 30, 40, 50 years ago, um, you know, if there was AI, like, you know, people who were like sci-fi fans are like, what what could AI do? AI could solve so much of the world's, like, more on the manufacturing side, more on the actual job Production, side. Doing Production, doing all that shit. What what we don't want is a reverse of that. We want we wanted to free up people's jobs so people could have more time doing what they love and creating things. What is now happening and why I'm so against um, AI for voice acting, I noticed that I think it was either Google or Microsoft released a, a AI voice which you can feed it prompts and it will read out sentences in the same cadence as the prompt so you could basically have a fake audiobook or a fake line in a tv show or a fake you know like voice uh, in a video game character um 
And all of that could be auto-generated by an AI or machine learning. It, it, you know what I've I mean? seen... So there's copies of Hunger Pang's audiobooks out there that I did not make. And they've been they've used AI software to make them. And I have no recourse against them because they're being hosted in places like Russia. So I spent two to four grand, maybe minimum, on audiobook stuff. I received twenty percent of my royalties because audiobooks are a scam. Brandon Sanderson's actually talking about that the minute he's refusing to use Audible. But a lot of other audiobook distributors are not much better. A lot of them, the maximum I get is thirty percent of my income. I still have not earned back what I spent on production. And then some wonderful, wonderful, god-awful person created um, AI audiobooks of my stuff and uploaded it to a server that I cannot get them taken down off. Yeah. And it is absolutely galling. Um, you can tell I'm upset, but... And it's being told, well, it's not, you know, it's whatever. And I'm going, right, well, what I did employed three people... I employed the voice actor, I employed the, the voice actor's assistant, and I, you know, it kept it gave an illustrator more work as well, it gave a formatter more work as well. When I when I make books the way I do them, I technically employ about six to seven people to get it done. And there's people out there are going, Oh, well, AI can do all of that. It's doing it with theft. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that Tor the you know the biggest fantasy sci-fi publisher of our day and age, Tor is using AI artwork for their covers. Yeah, I am fucking furious. I am so angry. But ninety percent of the time, I just have to think about it, and my blood pressure goes up, and I have to go lie down because I have atomic nervous system dysfunction, and that destroys me. But it's it's at the point where I'm literally I check my email, I get told there's been another AI upload of my thing and I just <laughs> give up because I can't do anything against it. I don't have the money for it to have a legal action against it. Yeah. Um but it's really quite disheartening how mainstream media is embracing theft for creation. Whereas yeah. they were the biggest people that went after piracy. People just trying to watch things. I mean, I I understand as someone who makes my living from creation, it's not nice when people pirate your things. But a lot of the time, people are pirating things off streaming sites because it's been taken away from them because you're deciding to cancel things. And when you cancel it, you're taking it offline. Yeah. Half, like, so, I mean, half of the reason why people pirate stuff is preservation. Like, it's, you know, it's Nintendo. It's like the emulation side of things. It's all that. It's like... It's the a only way to preserve this art is by... A lot of it's preservation. Yeah. And but the, you, 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 for years you had, um, you know, all the stuff about copyright. It, God forbid in, in fandom, if you got caught by someone like Anne Rice, her publisher would go after you. Star Wars, I, I'm old enough to remember people getting legal action letters from Lucasfilm yeah. because they were making Star Wars stuff. They were making Star Wars art. And then you have the same industry now turning around and using AI. And the AI is using stolen artwork. Yeah. I am furious. I am, <laughs> my blood boils every time I think about it. I'm going, you absolute fuckers. You, for years, you harassed the fandom communities that kept your stuff alive. Yeah. You went after your fans, the people, the reason you have jobs. And now you are putting, you're pulling stuff from AI that is just going, you're typing stuff in. The AI is pulling things from independent artists and creators. And then you're going, great, a book cover. And 
book cover, you know, designers are already underpaid. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, there's so. And I hate to say it, all AI art looks shit. There's always some uncanny valley crap. I, like, I, I have not seen a single good bit of like solid AI art yet. I've seen. I've it seen, looks fake. I've, I've it seen looks concepts. Valley. Yeah, I, I've like I've seen concepts, but it's like oh, as Mothman seen in chat. Always look at the fingers. That AI cannot it's do hands. It's the law of the fairy. Check the shadows. Check the teeth. Check the fingers because it doesn't look real. Yeah. Um. It looks like those. Um. There was a time period. In, um. It was the oil painting romance covers, which I still love. I love those so much. I prefer them over a lot of the modern stuff we have now. Um, and you'd, you'd be like, why does that person have three hands? And it was literally just because it was they were copy pasting stuff yeah. together to make to make the thing because uh, they didn't want to pay artists. They've been doing it for a long time. They did not want to pay the artists who who do the thing. So they take they they pay for an image and then they copy and they slice it. Yeah. And the AI is doing the exact same. It's shitty. It's low production. Doesn't look good. Some, there's some of them that I've got, there's a couple of stained glass ones that I've gone, oh, that's quite pretty. And then I realise it's AI and I go, I wonder where the original artist is because I bet theirs is better. Yeah, um, exactly. And it drives me insane. And it I really think, does drive me insane. I think that's the thing that always annoys me about the people who, like, you, you now have people who are calling themselves, like, AI art engineers and shit like that. And it's, like, people who are able to put in the right prompt. And what you end up finding is that the prompt is actually see that person's artwork <laughs> yeah make it look like that <laughs> it's, it's a fucking joke um but anyway i suppose we could maybe move on to our second topic of conversation which is uh it's not stealing else art, it's... Even come out of my ears. <laughs> um <laughs> it's um yeah go on tell us about uh susan meekin joy it has been zero days since there's been drama in Romance Landia. I need a sign behind me that I can just periodically wipe off, but there's no point because it will just say zero days since there's been drama. Um, Sarah, yeah, Susan Meekin, sorry. Don't know why I said Sarah there. Sarah's a different one. But Susan Meekin is a romance, indie romance author who two years ago died by suicide. It caused a ripple through the industry because it was alleged that she was bullied to death by fellow industry, you know, fellow indie authors. It caused a huge, you know, anti-bullying surge within the community. Fingers were pointed. People were on off platforms. It was a very awful time for everyone. Except, surprise, she's not dead. Uh, she faked the whole thing. She faked her own suicide, and she just oh came back this God. with uh, a post that was basically. It, it ended with let the fun begin and she's just starting off her career as if she didn't pretend to be dead for two years but it's worse than that she didn't just go offline for two years she's been online this whole time uh under the she, name of tk, TK steel manning her own fan page <laughs> gaslighting people by pretending to be a friend and she, people that thought she was dead, she was talking to them as this other person. Oh, fuck. And then it also turns out she's been on TikTok this whole time under <laughs> the name Susan Meekin. And do you want to know the really fascinating thing? It's her real fucking name. She's committed multiple acts of cybercrime and fraud under her real name. And she's wondering why people are upset with her. So, 
Uh, to give everyone a bit of background, Joy sent me the article about this at like one o'clock in the morning and was like, hiya, uh, we're going to have a chat. Um, Eno Lyle in uh, in chat is in, did you read the interview with her? Oh, yes. Yes, yes we yeah. did. And it's, this week, it's diabolical. It's um, nuts. Like, it's, I mean, I think it was Ben or or I think it was someone in chat mentioned, it's like, it's one thing to fake your own death. It's another thing to fake your own suicide and then try and... and- get money from it and, because that's yeah. the other thing she got money from it there was gofundmes with for her the, funeral the, for her funeral the indie romance uh, community gave money towards a funeral yeah um, and as, editors also gave their time to edit a bit one of her final books and if you're not aware when i was talking about the cost production for things editing books can be anywhere from hundreds to thousands of dollars people gave that time for free as a gift to the family so that her final book could be published. And so and, and of course the final the book was supposed the final book was supposed to be published as a gift for to a, her daughter. To her daughter before her wedding. Who so may not exist. There wait, her daughter doesn't exist. What? Her daughter may or may not we don't have proof that there is a daughter. Oh come on <laughs> What <laughs> the fuck? Come on People are wondering if it's her or if it's somebody that, else. Because again, the daughter was having full-on conversations for two years on her Facebook page, talking to people as if her mother was dead. That's, um, that's why in the interview she was telling people to take up with her daughter, because the daughter yeah, doesn't the daughter fucking exist. exist. Yeah, that, that's what I think. No! <laughs> Come on! She's got multiple author accounts that she's been using to talk to people within the community. She's been in her own fandom talking to people about how much she misses Susan. Um, she's been per- she's been pushing sales, getting other authors to say push sales so that the family has an income. She claims that she's had she's earned no money. She's claimed that she never saw any money from the GoFundMe and to take up with her daughter. Um, she's claimed that there were there were no donation drives. There were there was an entire anthology called The Bully King. Um, which was supposed to be an anti-bullying And it thing, was dedicated to her, wasn't it? It was, it was dedicated to her. It was dedicated Fuck. in her memory, and the money raised was given to the family. This is legal action waiting to happen, and I am it is. here for it. It is multiple counts of fraud. It is multiple counts of fraud. Um, and Because people gave work under false pretenses, <laughs> Uh, sales were given under false pretenses entire people did a whole lot of labor for free she took money from a gofundme she continued to earn revenue under a supposedly dead name from amazon um and just decided to the thing is she would have got away with it it would have been a successful grift if she'd been smart enough to stay dead, there was no reason she had to resurrect Susan Meekin. She could have stayed under her other author names and earned money. Well, that was the thing, wasn't it? Because in the interview, um, she there's this there's this really weird dynamic when the interviewer asks her about like why why did you decide to to like come back out of the from death and and she starts talking about it's like. What would people like? Are like I? I I left because I was being bullied. Um, By who? 
Well, this is the thing. She goes, I left because I was being bullied and now I have come back after faking my suicide and been away for two years. I've now come back and people are bullying me again. Would they prefer I stayed dead? Are they wishing death on me? And she asks the question as if she's not completely insane. That That's nuts. But she also, right? when, when she asked, you know, about the thing, she also said, I did die. It was a spiritual death. <laughs> a spiritual... Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. There is nothing that I can, that I have no forgiveness in my heart. Like, I, when I, when this all first started happening, I went, my God, she must be really mentally unwell. There must be something happening that she felt this was appropriate. I hope she gets the help she needs. When she turned around in that second, in the interview that she gave, and she said, I did die. It was a spiritual death. The emotions were real. Fuck you. Go to hell. Yeah, I mean, it is absolutely uh, not the same thing. The, the, well, as the, someone who's lost people to suicide, it is not the same thing. The the worst the worst things about it is that she she then said, and this is all going to be in my next book. She's, she's research. She, yeah, it was it was it was research that like so the woman in our next book will have will have died and then come back or fake died. And it's a romance oh. somehow, not a crime thriller. Okay. Um, <laughs> Write the word cock in there a couple of times yeah, and you're pretty I much know. good. We've yeah. discussed this. We're fine. Um <laughs> But, but yeah, it was also the when she was asked about what are you going to do about the people that donated, she turned around and said to them, "It's their fault for donating. They should have known better." Yeah. <laughs> Which, what? She was so angry right now. Insane. And the thing is, I was aware of all this happening. She's she was friends with a, um, she, a friend with a friend. So I was aware of all this happening. Um, I don't read or write heterosexual romance very often, but she's in that clique of very popular um, heterosexual romance writers and readers. I knew about her death. I knew people were devastated by it. And then it was then turned around to be, you know, people used it as an opportunity to point fingers and say, well, you're a bully, you caused her death. You did this to her. People were accused of things that they did not do. They were told, you bully this woman to death, you as good as murdered her. Yeah, For I mean, something that we've never had proof that they did because there's never been any proof, like no screenshots, no nothing of the whole event. I mean, the interesting thing as well, and just looking at the the article that had the interview on it, is that um, you talked about editors and obviously the amount of time, but book cover artists were also included in that. Yes, um, there's where, been screenshots. Yeah, there's mm -hmm. screenshots of them chatting about it, and it's like, yeah, keep all of your emails because you know they said that's the. It's interesting. So the 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 row of comments here. All the money she screwed out of me and dozens of other uh, authors and book covers we paid for and never gained. And goes, do you have paperwork for this? Because that's grounds for a lawsuit. I don't think I kept anything after her death. Heavy quotation marks. Uh, her family sent me a bunch of pieces of book covers that were useless and told me to go whistle and not such nice words. After public saying they would honour all pending covers. So please get in touch. So the just like dialed back all of the... Yeah what and, that was existing and the thing that the thing that really annoys me when when she was alive she was known for having a bit of a flounce every now and then um she okay. was known for being uh she's not someone who it does well with the internet it is not good for her you can tell that she was known for having me flounces and going i'm going offline because i'm being bullied and then she'll be back the next day um whereas if you're actually dealing with that you you log off for your mental health and you do come back if you feel better or you just don't come back um yeah. but 
she was known for being helpful to newbies in the industry. She was known for, let me take you under my wing and show you how things are done while stealing from these people. Yeah. I mean, she painted that... herself as a really nice person who struggled with mental health. And she, she probably does struggle with mental health because these are not the actions of someone who is mentally well. But being mentally unwell is not an excuse for being an absolute dickhead. Yeah. It, and that's what she is. She is a horrible... Tra- she traumatised her community. I mean, making a fucking suicide is absolutely, like, again, as someone was saying, you know, faking a death's one thing. Faking a fucking suicide, which carries with it, uh, like, a whole lot more, because there's going to be people around you and the community and her family, and well, not her family, and her friends who will have been like, is there anything I could have done more? Is You know, like, there's there's so much more that could have been you know done i mean just it's reading just, the last two nice. reading the last two questions so we've got what would you say to those who feel they donated under a false pretense and might feel wronged to those who donated i would again stress this wasn't demanded of them i'm sorry they feel wronged but they chose to donate it doesn't magically become a loan because they regret it now and why do they because an author told a story the only difference now versus before is i'm alive They'd rather I be dead, then they'd be happy about donating. That's what it seems like they're saying. They're cruelly wishing death on me. Lastly, do you plan to continue writing moving forward? Yes, I plan to continue writing and this will be the backdrop for my next book. I'm in a unique position of expertise to write about a romance about a woman bullied into death who returns for a fresh start at life and love. As always, I can't promise a happy ending, just an interesting journey. What is going I on? Is it, what the her. fuck? An author told a story, Hen, that is the thing you publish, not your life. <laughs> but it's also like, what, you, you had, like, imagine if all authors had to have lived experience before they wrote about fucking anything. <laughs> like, you just. Oh, yeah, no, if, yeah, I'm a vampire slash werewolf slash um, eldritch fae being. That's how I was able to write Hunger Pangs so well. Um, Someone clip that with gore. <laughs> Damn, you finally got me. No, um, it's just, um, but it, it gets me that she she's saying, "I told a story. You didn't. You told a lie." And you can argue that storytelling is telling fun lies, but you're not. Yeah. You're not. I'm not turning around and saying the events of Hunger Pangs are true. I'm not turning around and saying any of any of the stuff I'm doing is true or based on real life. It is. I take awkward. elements of real life and I turn them into fantasy. Yeah. I don't. It, it would be like me saying, "Oh yeah, um, like." And th- th- this is the thing that gets me. This is the thing that really, really gets me. I am someone who struggles very openly with my mental health. I cannot imagine faking something like that and saying, oh, it's a no, part of the story. No chance. It's not. I, yeah, there's, it's not. there's something... To, to be honest, right, and this is maybe just just me thinking it, but I think it's, it's one thing to... Like... It's one thing to do it when you're not a person of note. <laughs> right yeah like yeah you know it's 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 it well like it's it's awful to do when you're not a person of note because you're then thinking about okay so you're 
maybe maybe people online don't know you, but your friends who you're saying you're now dead to is pretty fucking weird and you know like, and it, there there's... was a lot of people that she had conversations with as her daughter yeah and it was talking you know they'd say things like i'm so sorry for your loss i loved your it's... mother and she'd be responding as her daughter with my mother loved you too i still listen to her voice some nights it's just sick even if yeah. her daughter's a real person that is sick <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about it's like okay so there's there's the line that she's not dead anymore and then she's also got a fake daughter potentially that she's we don't know we don't know we don't know um but yeah I think it that's it's kind of dangerous but I think there's definitely like a big fraud case like in the future multiple fraud cases she's committed cybercrime multiple times as well I I, Um, I'd, I'd love to I'd love to be a fly on the wall. I, I, I generally hope people are actually considering legal action because it's, well, the thing is, I, the I FBI can get involved because of the level it's, of fraud and cybercrime that's been committed. She's been impersonating people. She's been um, gaslighting and manipulating an entire community for two years. Well, I, mean, um, I think, like, I, I suppose, like, I, I think the FBI will get will need to get involved, but I also think that there needs to be. One one thing that I suppose the crime could be is if she specifically used GoFundMe for for that, like you know, that gets a platform involved with like facilitating the fraud. So that like that'll be the angle of a lawsuit as opposed to like I don't know if I, I mean the problem is again though is like from a, a contractual perspective, I don't know how much that factors in, but like someone donating money or someone donating hours of work under the pretense that someone's dead i am just wondering what the it's um labor under false pretenses and those people involved can sue even Um, if they don't have a contract for it well the thing is a lot of them would have had contracts right of course the cover artists that weren't honored yeah you know right yeah because even if it wasn't on, the, the thing is, this is what I have writing contracts that go as far, from when I was editing. I have contracts that go as far back as two thousand and nine. Yeah, I don't have ones after that because my NDAs have run out for those. But I have all my stuff that are still under NDA. I have my stuff that's still within legal action on the off chance that someone turns around and says, "Oh, actually, this was not done," and like, yeah. you know, I keep I keep my things. So this is the <laughs> thing: if you are a contractor, keep your shit. Keep make contracts. Um, I will tell if you are if you don't have to make contracts, I will help you because they are such a vital thing to making sure you do not get shafted the way some of these people are. But a lot of these things were, um, it it was still labour under false pretenses, and even verbal agreement can count in this. If they had, if they managed to keep screenshots of the conversations where they agreed to do the free labour to the daughter, um, (laughs) that used yeah. against them as what well. was a verbal contract yeah but again I, I'm, I don't really know how this story is going to proceed from that until there is a like lawsuit I mean like is Susan Meekin really just going to be like casually posting online like, she's been casually posting this whole time on TikTok as Susan Meekin no, I, I, like, I know that, like, you know, I'm talking about the, the, the reanimation that she's gone through. Yeah, is, she's is she... on Twitter. She's on Twitter promoting her books. She's just there. She's just there. But, saying, sure, but, my sh- but surely that's just filled with people going, 
people are buying it so that this is the thing sorry i need to stop because i'm angry people are (laughs) buying her stuff because they think it's going to be unhinged and wild because oh she must be so no don't hate purchase no but they're not even hate purchasing they think it must be good because she's she's plotted her whole day she came up with this fantastic they're framing it as like a girl boss type thing and i just want to throttle them but some people were buying it, expecting it to be really unhinged and good because she writes dark romances. So they're thinking it'll be really, really good and dark and awful, and it'll. But it's not. As somebody who has read her work, uh, one of the comments I left on my blog post about it was, "I never left a review because I didn't want to be mean." Yeah. She's not. It's fairly forgettable, run of the mill, three ninety nine, Kindle romances. You, you know what you're paying for when you do that. It's nothing too memorable. But people are... Her sales have skyrocketed, probably more than what she was getting when she was alive the first time. And it's because she's piggybacking on the scandal. And it's not even people hate buying. It's them thinking it must be good because she was able to create this whole thing. It's people thinking she's a girl boss who's gaming the system. And it's like, she's not a girl boss. She's just unhinged. She's a ga- She's got the gaslighting part of that whole girl girl boss gatekeep gaslight thing but she's not a girl boss um <laughs> she's just mediocre I just, so um this is like i don't I, I just i don't understand it man that's it's it's it's, it's unhinged it's one of the yeah. romance landia is known for its drama we and this is uh, an interesting question people are like why is there almost drama in romance landia because we're huge um, we are, people think, you know, they think, oh, science fiction and fantasy are the, the pillars that hold up publishing. They're not. Romances. Indie romance is a huge, huge part of the industry that pays for a lot of other stuff to exist. Mm. And the reason there's so much drama is because there are so many of us compared to other genres. And unfortunately, that means there's a lot of untinged people doing bad things. Um, yeah. this, is, this is probably one of the worst this is probably one of the worst things I've seen um, in the... When did I start editing? 2008. This is probably the, the worst thing I've seen since 2008 when I st- when I got into the industry. Um, and it's... Um, yeah, I don't really know how she's going to continue to do it. Like, I don't think she's going to get what she thinks she's... She's thinking she's going to be successful and people are going to buy all of her stuff. I think people will buy them. And then I think there's going to be a lot of returns because it's not memorable. It's not worth, it's not even worth the three ninety nine. a lot of our stuff was charged at. And I'm someone who charges my work at four ninety nine, so I'm aware of, you know, the cost of Kindle things. But it's, I, I just, I do not understand her thought process behind this is going to cause drama and the drama will give me clicks. Okay, well, you have your 15 seconds of fame, then what are you going to do? <laughs> I was like, well, you've got your clicks. <laughs> what do you fancy? Yeah. Uh, could she go to jail? I mean, I imagine uh, that'll be down to what crimes? I mean, cybercrime, fraud, any sort of thing like that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if she's told to pay everything back. Uh, I mean, she probably will be. It, um, it, it she'll, depend- she'll be paying damages for a long time. If if yeah. if legal action happens, she'll be paying damages. If there's any justice in the world, and but, no, um, there's 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 a there's a criminal as well. There's a criminal aspect to it, but there's also a, a not civilian aspect. Is there a no? It's not. That's not it. Um, what's it fucking called? When it's not a criminal case. 
Um, <laughs> it's not a civilian. Civil. Civil. That's it. Civil case. I mean, I'm Thank not you, sure. Both of yeah, us just blank. Yeah. <laughs> you can see the brains. <laughs> Sorry, my, 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 mind, my mind's just been <laughs> fucked by someone faking their suicide. So I'm just like, oh. what? Again, though, like, very excited to see how that drama will unfold. That'll, you'll probably get like. A... Periodic updates as this unfolds throughout the year. Um, or she may fake her death again. Oh, fuck. No, no. Oh no, that would be that would be the worst, wouldn't it? It'd be like the stress of the situation of like being found out and like you know, yeah. And then <laughs> a lot of us felt bad. Fuck. A lot of us felt bad when she used to flounce back in the day, and a lot of us felt bad because we never took the flouncing seriously. And then she supposedly killed herself. There was a lot of people who felt very bad about that. Turns out we didn't need to. Turns out we were actually right when she was just being dramatic, and because it, you feel like a terrible person for not taking people seriously when they're obviously showing distress for things. But there was always something that was a wee bit kind of ah, she's high strung, she's drama, and she's trying to get. It's, it's you know, it's somebody that's you know, she'd slam the door, the the, the the metaphorical door, and then she'd peer around to see who was looking. That was yeah. the, the that was what a lot of us thought was happening. And then when she actually supposedly killed herself, there was a lot of people going, ah, shit, we were really mean about her. Turns out we weren't. Yeah. <laughs> it, you know, um, I was not close enough to her to have any of that kind of feeling, but I knew a lot of people that were. Um, literally the night the story broke, my group Discord, it was like fucking 4th of July, every single bing, bing, everything was going off, everything was lighting up with people going, oh my god, have you heard? Um, <laughs> 4th of July is maybe the wrong term to use as someone's fake suicide. You know, <laughs> but it was celebrating. Like, yeah. But yeah. I mean, some, some people might have been. But um, it was also, <laughs> you know, we were. it wasn't even, it was when we were all like, have you heard that she's come back from the dead? That was when yeah. it, everything was kicking off. Everything went completely insane with like, Fuck what do you mean she faked it? Like literally, yeah. I came, I went to go to the bathroom and I came back to 140 unread Discord messages oh, in the God. five minutes I was gone. And I was like, oh, something's happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, anyway, so, that saga will continue to unfold. I dare say we'll probably, we'll be able to give you weekly updates about it. <laughs> like the, everyone who's, who's listening. Um, Right, so I think, I mean, I'm guessing that kind of concludes our first episode. Um, we've spoken a hell of a lot about The Witcher. Um, we had a slight tangent about cocks and then accents. Um, <laughs> and we, we then talked about fake suicide uh, and the, the romantic um, writing world imploding. Um, Again, welcome to 2020. 2023 yes yeah we're 2023 now um i've made that mistake like three or four times like i said 20 i was writing something this morning and i wrote 2024 i'm already in the future (laughs) my brain's gone you're just too advanced those new new glasses that's where you that's where your mind's at now i'm seeing the future now that's what's (laughs) happening Right, but thank you to everyone who is watching, uh, sorry, is listening on the podcast. One thing that we always do at the end of our episodes is we we wrap up for the people who are listening on podcast and then we hang around in chat on Twitch uh, for a wee bit longer. So if you're in Twitch chat, don't go anywhere. We'll be here for uh, a wee wee conversation. 
uh, afterwards. Uh, but thanks very much to all of you who are listening on your podcasting uh, platform of choice. Um, this has been episode one of season two of the Icefear. Look at us go. We're back. Joy. We're back. We're back. And we're never stopping. Um, <laughs> we will see you all next time, folks. Thanks very bye much. Bye-bye.